1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for Rescue Nation, I cover the NFL for FanRank Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. The Packers lose a heartbreaker, 31-28 at Heinz Field, a 53-yard field goal as time expires, breaks the Packers' hopes of springing the upset. But the Packers followed the script here. They got a couple turnovers, three to be exact. Brett Hundley made a couple plays, especially down the field, and Green Bay had a chance not only to win this game, but to win it in regulation. And they played for overtime. They made a bonehead mistake at the end of the game, and they gave one of the best quarterback-receiver combinations that we've seen in the last generation— Too much time, 17 seconds, was too much time because Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown made magic happen. Now, before we get to that, we need to talk about Brett Hundley because his performance last week was obviously subpar. I tried to point out that there were some positives in it along with the obvious negatives. And I don't mean to to dismiss the negatives because they're clearly there. But I thought there were some things that we could take away and say, look, he's progressing. And a really great defense made him look like a first-time starter. That's what he is. And then he comes out against one of the best defenses in football. Again, another top-tier defense. And on the first drive, he throws a 39-yard touchdown to Randall Cobb. Now, Randall Cobb is wide open. But he still has to make the throw. He still has to make the reads. He still has to pull the trigger. All of the things that he has struggled to do to this point. The Packers come out on the next drive. They move the ball a little bit and they get a screen pass to Jamal Williams. He makes most of that play happen on a a long catch and run. But Brett Hundley still has to get everyone in position. He still has to do all the things that he has to do. And here is the critical one. Here is the big one. Just under nine minutes left. Green Bay's down 28-21. Brett Hundley goes 12 plays, 77 yards for the game-tying score. He made plays with his legs. He made plays with his arms. He threw on time. He looked comfortable in the pocket. The moment was not too big for him. With a minute 20 left, Green Bay, they tried. They tried. On first down, they get the the sack. There's a no call on the T.J. Watt helmet-to-helmet. The next play, Jamal Williams runs out of bounds for reasons that I don't understand. Mike Tomlin was ready to send this game to overtime. He was. Wasn't calling timeout. Was going to let the clock run. And instead, the Packers call a screen for Jamal Williams, who was really good in this game. The numbers uh, rushing will not show it. He had 66 yards on 21 carries, but added four catches for 69 yards and had the long touchdown catch. He also had another drop along the sidelines on an absolute dime from Brett Hundley. Hundley rolling to his right and throwing down the sideline. Jamal Williams was running free and looked like a baby deer trying to make a catch along the sideline. That's the difference with with Jamal Williams in the game versus Aaron Jones or Ty Montgomery, who have much more passing skills, is they can't be as creative with where they line guys up and and how they deploy them. But they got the deep shot to Devontae Adams, the 55-yarder, to take the lead in the second half. Devontae Adams is, if there were any questions about who the best receiver on this team is, those are over. Jordy Nelson survives on his preternatural connection with the preferred starter, Aaron Rodgers, who we'll get to. Because there is something to talk about there. If you've been living under a rock, you may not know what it is. Adams had five catches for 82 yards. On the critical fourth and sixth play that the Packers converted right before they, they scored, that was the, the play was to Devontae Adams. And Brett Hundley eyed it up. Devontae got open, makes the catch in traffic. He is a bona fide number one receiver, and Green Bay is going to pay him in the offseason. I think they're going to ask Jordy to take a pay cut. Now, the big difference was Green Bay had the opportunity. To kick a 57-yarder in the second half. Mason Crosby missed it, wasn't close. It probably wasn't the right call. Now, my bigger issue was the call before that. On third and long, all they needed was a couple yards. Just get four or five yards. Call one of those those receiver screen things that I hate. Where the two outside guys block and the inside guy gets the ball and it's a little a little screen where it gets five yards every time. Never gets more, never gets less. That's all Green Bay needed to make the, the field goal manageable. Instead, Brett Hundley gets sacked by Cam Hayward, who, by the way, destroyed David Bakhtiari a couple times on Sunday night. David Bakhtiari did not play well. He has not played well since coming back from injury. And you have to wonder if the hamstring is still bothering him, If it is, if it is hurting his ability to anchor. And it's just a couple plays here and there. Green Bay was a 14-point underdog. And was a couple plays, just maybe one or two plays. Really, the Jamal Williams play. If he stays in bounds, game goes to overtime at least. I keep, I, I keep harping on it. The margin for error is tiny. And Brett Hundley was not the reason the Packers lost on Sunday. He wasn't. He played great. His best game as a pro easily had two touchdown passes total as a starter this season. Had three against the Steelers Sunday night. An elite defense on the road, in prime time, in a, in a crucial game, really for both teams. And I know people are going to get on me about Pyrrhic victories and there's no such thing. This was a game that even with Aaron Rodgers was going to be tough. And I said once a season, Mike McCarthy paints a masterpiece. This was pretty close. Now, I, the, the one mistake, I didn't like it in real time. It's not a second guess. This is a first guess. I didn't like it in real time. And I didn't like the third the third down call in real time either. Now, I understand you've got a kicker you trust, but there's been some issues with the hold this year. You're just getting Brett Good back. How, how safe do you feel about a long, long, long field goal on a cold night in Pittsburgh? I just didn't love it. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway subscription. That's a $39.99 value and you'll get access to player grades, snap counts, position ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, draft coverage, all sorts of data and all you have to do to enter the contest is put your name in your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. Give us all the stars if you would please and you too can win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. Chris Collinsworth said something during the telecast that that seemed ridiculous at the time, but I think ultimately ends up being potentially right. And that is even if Aaron Rodgers was playing, it would have been tough for Green Bay to win this game. Now that said, Green Bay's defense forces three turnovers and isn't able to score off those turnovers, which is which is a big deal. Something they probably would have been able to do with Aaron Rodgers. But defensively is where this team was once again let down. Ben Roethlisberger goes 33 for 45 for 351 and four touchdowns. He did have two picks. One was the great play by Demarius Randall in the first half on a diving interception. He's really, he's really amped up his level of play. He has really taken to playing in the slot. And the guy who's, who has struggled is Devon House outside. And I do wonder if if maybe the move is when Green Bay is in a two-corner set, which is not that often, but against teams that play a lot of a lot of base personnel and run the ball a fair amount, maybe you have to play King and Randall outside and then move Randall inside in some package situations because Devon House is struggling. I mean, he has really not played well the last month. Le'Veon Bell also 95 yards on 20 carries plus another 88 on 12 Catches Antonio Brown ten catches one sixty nine and two touchdowns and the clincher. Roethlisberger able to move the ball thirty five yards down the field in seventeen seconds thanks to an incredible play by Antonio Brown and another Antonio Brown catch where Kevin King was playing off. The twenty four yarder was a was the first one that set this all up and and Antonio Brown's covered, double teamed. And he might be the only receiver in football who could have made the catch with the toe drag and the concentration that, that he did. And Dom Capers' defense did its thing. It created three turnovers but but got very little pressure. Those turnovers were big plays in this game. One ended a very promising Steelers drive. But again, situational football with this team has been so incredibly bad. The Steelers scored on three, all three of their red zone trips. They had 21 passing first downs, and they were 8 of 13 overall on third down. That's just bad. There's a reason Green Bay is among the worst teams in football in third down and red zone defense, because situationally, they are not good. Now, part of that is two of their best defenders in the front seven were out of this game. Kenny Clark and Clay Matthews did not play, and against... Some offensive tackles that have struggled at times this season—they were not able to consistently pressure Ben Roethlisberger. And when they did, he stepped up and made plays against zone coverage. Now, Green Bay did play a lot of man coverage, which which I appreciated, but Roethlisberger just had too much time and, and was able to create down the field. This is—it happens. But the defense didn't play well enough to win. The offense did. Same old, same old. This is what I mean when I said that. That maybe it would not have mattered if Rodgers had played, and maybe it would have. But the point is, yet again, the offense comes through with the game that it needed, and the defense couldn't. And I understand guys are hurt, but guys are always hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't play for the Steelers. They still scored 31 points. This team just has not been good enough situationally and defensively. And But they got, they got the gotta-have-it stop. They forced a punt with a minute 20. Red Hundley got the ball back. Green Bay screwed up the end of game situation and allowed the Steelers to get the ball back because they're playing with a third string running back. And he ran out of bounds thinking, well, I need to, st- I need to save time. They were not on the same page. This is coaching. They were not on the same page over what they were going to do. Part of that is preparation and coaching over the course of the season. But this is a third stringer and it's a rookie. And you have a first time starter at quarterback who is not communicating, hey, Let's. We need to stay in bounds. Don't run out of bounds on this. But you got to trust your players to do the right thing if you've coached them properly. And, and clearly, that's just it's not happening. Now, this was not an embarrassment. They didn't go down there and get drilled. This was a valiant effort by, by a, an undermanned team against one of the best teams in football. That is healthy. No one expected this game to look like this. And so the Packers deserve a tremendous amount of credit for it. But once again... It's the defense that costs them a chance to win. Giannis made some headlines this weekend when he had some choice words for an assistant coach. The Bucks are going to be a fascinating team all season. So keep it close with Locked on Bucks as Milwaukee battles for playoff positioning in the Eastern Conference. Hey everybody, this is Jason Buckland and let me welcome you back to our podcast In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Now, season one was all about the biggest names in business.
3: Steve Madden, Danny Reese,
0: Chip Wilson.
1: But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two. Philip Prim, CEO, Casper. Webb Smith, founder, 2PM.
2: Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass; Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co-founder, co-CEO, Thanks,
1: Chris Saka, co-founder, Lower Carbon Capital. R-E-L-K,
2: CEO, Parachute.
1: This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus
2: home you were a lot more than just a home this year thank you for letting me eat all those meals at my desk or take all those morning meetings from bed make the office chair my midday nap spot our area rug my yoga mat and our closets into storage for all our anxiety shopping yeah you wore a lot of hats while we mostly wore sweatpants which now have their very own dresser drawer thanks to you i know it wasn't always great We accidentally killed a lot of plants, learned a lot of really bad dance moves, relearned a lot of fourth grade math, spent a whole month rearranging the office furniture every day, but you always gave us space to sleep it off. So thank you, home. At IKEA, we think home deserves more credit for staying organized even when life is messy, for keeping us energized, for boosting our calm. Home does a lot for you, which is why we want to do more for your home. Find new home office, bedroom, and organization solutions at IKEA.
1: We opened the show talking about the Packers quarterback, the one who played in the game on Sunday, but there was another quarterback making headlines for throws that he made on the field. Now, these were before the game. Aaron Rodgers in sweats making throws what looked like unencumbered throws through some deep balls appeared to be working at, not if not full strength, he had no limitations on the throws. Now, maybe he was only allowed to throw 10, and this is part of the process. But look, this was there was a speculated timetable, a reported timetable out there from Adam Schefter that the, the plate and the surgery meant that the team felt, anyway, the doctors said that he should be able to throw by Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving was Thursday. And Aaron Rodgers is throwing. He threw a practice in Green Bay, threw in warm ups. He is on track. Now he has repeated over and over that unless the collarbone is healed, fully healed, he's not coming back. And another Packers loss means it's less likely that they'll need him to. But this this season is not over. There's a lot of Packer fans that are that are just like focused on the draft and free agency. Lolz. But they have two imminently winnable games. Eminently winnable. Home for Tampa Bay, who probably won't have Jameis Winston. He had some he had some injections in the shoulder to try and advance the healing process. There's going to be an MRI today, so that we may know the results of that MRI. But he he still is not practicing in any sort of serious fashion. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, and and as long as that's the case, and as long as their defense continues to be terrible, I mean this is going to be the first sub sub average. Defense Green Bay has faced, the Buccaneers are a bad, bad defense. If Brett Hunley looks like this against that defense, they should win. And then they play the Browns, who are the worst team in football. So if they are seven and six and and Rodgers can come back along the timeline that has been out there, that has been floated, that doc the team doctors reportedly suggested. The Green Bay Packers can absolutely win the last three games of the year, win 10 games and get in the playoffs. Now, things are a little complicated because the Lions look like they could get to 9 or 10 wins at least. The Falcons look like they could get to 10 wins, but their schedule is tough. They play the Vikings this week. They've got two left against the Saints, and they've got Carolina with, with Tampa Bay mixed in, and Jameis Winston could be back for that game. So... They have four losses now. They could have two, three, four more by the end of the year. That leaves Carolina, a three-loss team. Their schedule finishes at New Orleans, Minnesota, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, at Atlanta. So their schedule is anything but a cakewalk. And if Green Bay wins in Carolina on December 17th, then they have the tiebreaker. Now that gets muddied if there's multiple tiebreakers, especially if it's a Green Bay, Carolina, Atlanta tiebreaker because the head-to-heads get washed out. There's weird rules with that. But an, an, another NFC East team is unlikely to get to 10 wins. And the Seahawks in the West, they're already a four-loss team. They play the Eagles this week. Then they go at Jacksonville, home for the Rams. Then they go at Dallas, who should have Zeke Elliott back by then, and home for Arizona. Arizona. Anything but an easy slate. And Green Bay has the tiebreaker over Seattle. Now is not the time to give up on this team. If they lose to Tampa Bay, okay. Season's probably over because even if they beat the Browns, nine wins is likely not going to get you into the playoffs. And that's with a win-out situation down the stretch with Rodgers. Again, I don't think the season is over. Ten wins can get in. The, the, The question becomes... If it seems unlikely, let's say Atlanta or Atlanta and Carolina start to win more of these games and it looks like they're not going to win and, or they're not going to lose enough to make it at all likely that that Green Bay can sneak in. I think you play Rodgers until you're mathematically eliminated. So long as there is a chance, you let him play. If he's healed, if he is, if he is healthy enough, To where there is no risk of added injury. Which is to say he's healed or something close. And they say, well, he is at no greater risk than he would be under any normal circumstances to be injured. Because you can't just put him in bubble wrap and say, we'll play for next year. There's no next year. Not until the end of the season. Then you can play for next year. Because if this team gets in, they can beat anybody in the NFC. They can beat anyone in the league. They just almost beat one of the three best teams in the league... Without their best player. So don't tell me they can't beat anyone in the league when they've got their guys. They can. I understand the idea that that fans are upset. The defense didn't do its job, and they didn't. That's true. But Brett Hundley took a huge step forward. Progress is not linear, guys. Not always. So he has a great game against the Bears. Makes some big plays in the second half. Then he struggles against Baltimore. Although he made some, some really good plays especially in the first half of that game, and then things snowballed for him in the second. Then he comes out on national TV primetime game against a team with an extra week to prepare, a, a team that is loaded for bear. They're fast. They're tenacious. They tackle. And what does Brett Hundley do? He plays calm. He plays under control. He makes some great throws. He doesn't. He's not hesitant. Now, he still took some sacks, but he's, he made some more plays stepping up in the pocket. He made some nice, really nice throws on the run, made some nice plays escaping against really athletic edge rushers for Pittsburgh. Bud Dupree and TJ Watt are are one of the most dynamic and athletic pass rusher duos in the league. Freak athletes, both of them. And Brett Hundley beat them both to the corner to make throws on boots. We saw the whole tool set from Brett Hundley. And I have been really impressed over the course of the season with his ability to When his team needs a play, when his team needs a drive to deliver one. He did it on a number of occasions against the Saints. A a game that, by the way, looks a lot more impressive now, given how well the Saints have played. I know they lost on Sunday, but they were without both their starting corners. And the Rams are really good. And the Rams were at home. And against the Bears in the second half, when he needed to make plays, he did. Same thing against Pittsburgh. Second half, they need some plays. 55-yarder on a beauty. The stutter go. He threw a touchdown pass on the exact same play, same side of the field to Jeff Janis in the preseason. Beautiful throw to the sidelines. McCarthy has found ways to put him in positions to succeed, and this was the best game he's called with Brett Hundley. I still wish I would like to see some more design runs. The third and two where they ran the the little flip. It's technically a pass, but it's basically an end around With Cobb, that hasn't worked all season. They've run it a couple times. How about running zone read there? Giving Brett Hundley that opportunity. On another third and short, Brett Hundley on on a read pass option, uh, excuse me, on a run pass option, fires it out to Jordy Nelson, who fights for a first down. Fourth and six, game on the line. They have to call timeout because they're not in in the right protection, not on the right play. They get in the right play, and Brett Hundley makes a big throw to Devontae Adams. Even if he takes a step back, This was a step forward. I said this against the Bears game. It's only as good as momentum is only as good as he plays next week. But now that we're two weeks from that, could he have played this game if he didn't have the Bears game? McCarthy would call that stacking success. Progress, especially of quarterbacks, is not always linear. Sometimes you can take two steps forward and then take one step back or one step forward and two steps back. Now, Brett Hundley will have an opportunity to play against the worst defense he's faced, Now we'll get to see, can he stack some success this week? Can he give the Packers the chance to keep their season alive this week? We'll see. We're back on a regular schedule this week. We're going to be Monday through Friday. A ton of content coming. Expert Tuesday, Opponent Wednesday. It's all going to be here for you, which means you need to stay locked on, Packers.